Just a quick reminder, we are starting our live workshops again. They'll be held at Fleming's in Sarasota starting on November 1st at 6.30 p.m. If you're interested in coming to see me talk about ways you can de-risk your retirement, feel free to give us a call, 941-951-0443, or shoot me an email, jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, at wealthenjoyment.com. All four of my grandparents are gone now. My father's father passed away when I was in college, but I was very lucky. I got to know him, grow up with him. A big, boisterous man who gave big, wet, sloppy kisses all over my cheek. I remember my cheek would be sticky after he planted one on me. Such a nice man. Everyone loved him. My mother's father died tragically in his 50s. The time and how it affected the family is probably a story for another day, but I am sad I did not get to know him. One way I was very blessed, though, is that both of my grandmothers, both my mother's mother and my father's mother, made it to my wedding day in such good health that I was able to dance with them in my wedding. This was back in 2010. They have since passed on. I wanted to talk about them today because they both ended very similarly. They spent their last couple years in a facility as their health slowly deteriorated, as their minds slowly became less coherent. They had to be put into a, a nursing home, and they both were in those places for the last two or three years. I remember it affected both families. Both my father's family and my mother's family had to deal with the consequences of having their parent in a facility both my mom and my dad had their mother in a facility that wasn't near where they were. But luckily, there was at least one sibling who was near each of my grandmother's facility and could go in to check and see what was going on and make sure they were being well taken care of. What was unequal about my two grandmothers and the way they finished their lives was the fact that one of my grandmothers had planned pretty well for that eventuality. She still had a solid amount of assets left in her name to help cover expenses. And she'd also purchased herself a long-term care insurance policy that helped defray a lot of the costs of a pretty expensive facility where she finished her life. My other grandmother, unfortunately, did not have that same benefit. Her kids had to do their best to cover the costs as they could. Eventually, Getting down to the point where she had no money left in her own name, my grandmother, except for the Social Security checks she got. And eventually Medicaid did start to kick in to help cover some of her costs. But that's a tough road to hoe because you have to apply for it and the facility has to accept Medicaid payments. Otherwise, the parent may need to be moved. In this case, luckily, the family had done some pre-planning when it came to that, and the facility they were in did indeed, in fact, accept Medicaid payment for their services, but not everyone was that lucky. And even with the Medicaid kicking in, that was a really stressful time. It was stressful on both sides, of course. It's stressful to watch a parent go downhill. I can tell you I'm not looking forward to it. Not that I prefer the alternative. I want both my mother and my father to live until they're 135 years old and my mother-in-law as well. I want everyone to live very long time. But those last few years can be really hard on the family 
as we watch a loved one go downhill, try to take care of them, try to make sure they're comfortable and just not being neglected in a place we trust to take care of them. And that's hard enough without having the financial backing you might need to help you get through that type of situation. I will say that there are lots of ways that you can reserve for that form of end-of-life care that you might need. There are lots of different types of care out there that you might need. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the different types of care today. The most common known one was the nursing facilities that my grandmothers ended up in. But both of them as well had actually spent some time in assisted living facilities. Assisted living is usually a less expensive form of care because usually the person in the care is less dependent on round-the-clock care, on medical care, on being needing someone to help them move around. An assisted living facility is usually an intermediate place where you're starting to feel it. Maybe you're not able to do as many things as you used to be able to do, but you can still do a lot of the things you used to do. You just need some help. Um, another place that people can go for care is actually home care. And again, that's where a person actually continues to live in their home, but have custodial care brought in several times a day usually, maybe to help them with some of the basics of daily living. Very common ones include dressing, bathing, toileting, eating, transferring, and continence. And those types of things can all compound the quality of life issues if they're not addressed. But having someone come in maybe just two to three times a day to help with the things a person's having trouble with can help someone get through that time and maybe still stay in their home. On average, home care and assisted living facilities tend to run the same amount, but that depends on the level of care needed, how much the facility costs, how much the nursing facility might cost, how much the nursing care in the home costs. All of those things vary, but on average, nursing homes are most expensive, and then assisted living and home care on average run about the same amount per month to cover the care that someone using those services might need. There are also adult daycare facilities. And that's an interesting one where sometimes a parent or an elderly fam family member is living with family who works. And the family can take care of them in the morning, get them up, get them ready, and feed them and take care of them when they come home after work. But during the day is when they're worried about their elderly parent or elderly family member. And there are adult daycare places where oftentimes a, a, a parent will be dropped off for the day. They can interact with others in a similar state and, and have activities and be taken care of while they are away from their family. All of those are things to be aware of as you're researching this. And of course, one of the worst places you have to know about, but is very important. I shouldn't say they are bad places, but it's horrible to go through it from what I've seen is memory care. And those facilities also tend to run the level of nursing home. Unfortunately, memory care costs often run for more than just a couple years the way nursing homes do. Memory care can last for a decade when that happens, when Alzheimer's or dementia shows up and, and starts to take over, that memory care facility can cost a lot of money. 
all of those things are things to be aware of as you're looking into your family's future care, whether for an elderly parent in your life or for planning for yourself and your family down the line. It's always good to know what facilities are near you, what those services would provide, and thinking about how you might pay for that care when it comes to it. Who's going to pay for it? Are you? Will your family? An insurance policy? How would you cover that? I wanted to talk about it. It's something close to my heart. I was sad to see my grandparents have to go into a facility. We were lucky to have family around to make sure that they were comfortable. And the finances varied, but overall, I was very blessed with how my parent, grandparent, grandmothers were able to last a long time and to be taken care of pretty well all the way until they finally left us. Do you own your own home? If so, you probably have homeowner's insurance. I often ask that question at my live events. By the way, I'll be holding more live events this fall and spring in Sarasota. If you're interested in coming to see us, please let us know. Why do I ask that question? Because in Florida, you're required to have homeowner's insurance if you have a mortgage. The mortgage companies require that. But once you've paid off your mortgage, you're no longer required to keep your homeowner's insurance. A lot of people don't realize that. When I ask that question of a live audience, though, what's interesting is when I ask the people who knew that, that they could cancel their homeowners, some people say yes, but they haven't done it. When I ask why, they say, well, because I might have a fire in my house. We have hurricanes in Florida. It just gives me peace of mind to know that if something happens, I'm covered. Isn't that interesting? I hear all the time that people hate insurance. And homeowner's insurance is a very interesting scenario because there is a chance that you will write a check to the insurance company for the rest of your life and never see a single dollar back from that coverage. People are okay with that. What that establishes is that some form of insurance can be beneficial. You just have to understand the risks and why you have the coverage and the peace of mind it can provide to know it's there. I brought all that up today because in the first segment, I talked about my grandmothers going into the home, the homes at the end of their lives, their nursing homes, and the fact that one of them was pretty well prepared for the financial impact that was going to have, and the other one wasn't. The big difference was that one of them had long-term care insurance. You don't have to have long-term care insurance, of course, just like you don't have to have homeowner's insurance if you've paid off your mortgage. But if you do, in the event you need care, and again, that is usually qualified by some of those activities of daily living, if you can't feed yourself and dress yourself, or if you can't bathe yourself and transfer from the bed to the chair, two of those types of activities of daily living will usually qualify you for coverage in a long-term care facility or sometimes for home care, depending on the policy. Having a long-term care insurance policy can be beneficial. The downside is you may never need it. You may pay a premium to the insurance company for the rest of your life. And just like homeowner's insurance, those premiums may go up while you're waiting to see if you need that coverage. Now, I will say 
percentages show there is a very good chance you will need some form of care, especially a husband and wife. Statistics tend to show that at least one of them is very likely to need that care. Is it definite that one of you will? No. But there's a high probability that one of you is going to need home care or assisted living or a nursing home or memory care, adult daycare, something to help take care of you in your twilight years. What are you doing to reserve for that cost? What are you doing if you have parents getting towards those older years to hopefully take care of them? Are they set for that risk? Do they have something in place? If they're still young enough, let's say they're 60s, it's still possible they could get long-term care insurance. I highly recommend looking into it. And there are a lot of options out there. Anything from paying monthly to paying a shorter pay policy, like a 10 pay type of long-term care where you pay 10 years of premiums, but they say they won't raise the premium on you. You might even be able to combine it with life insurance. If you have life insurance needs, there are actually life insurance policies that have long-term care riders. So you might be able to combine two types of insurance and save on the combination of the two together. All of that is very valuable to be aware of and look into while you can. You never know when you're going to have a change in health that might affect whether you can get any of these coverages. And by the way, the coverages are different. The health you have to have to qualify for long-term care may be very different than the health you have to qualify for life insurance. We've had people who wanted one of those life insurance with long-term care policies, and they already had a pre-existing condition that made it more likely they were going to need some form of care towards the end of their life, but didn't necessarily affect the length of time they were going to live. So they could get a life insurance policy, but not that long-term care rider. I highly recommend at least pricing this out. The years I really start to say it's valuable are into your 50s. I have seen that doing it in your 40s may not provide as much financial leverage for you, but it's really never too early. And I do recommend that if you have the chance, take a look at long-term care insurance to make sure that your family at least doesn't have to worry about where is the money coming from if you need some form of long-term care. In thinking about my grandmothers today, it got me thinking about the fact that I have a lot of photos of them from different times in their life, but they're all pretty much digital photos. I know I have photographs in a bin somewhere, and it's driving me crazy. I think... I'm going to look into finding those pictures and digitizing them, but I've never done that, and I, I'm a little apprehensive about it. I'm curious if any of you out there listening to this have done that, have had any experience with it, know any companies that do it. I've done a little research myself, and I know it can be expensive, but is it worth it? Have you found that they are sortable, that you can upload them to places, maybe like Google, where they can start searching for the different faces, and you can start grouping those pictures into different times and spaces in your life. I have a lot of fun when I make photo books. In fact, I've gotten kudos from my family and friends on the different photo books I've made, mostly on Shutterfly.com. I recommend Shutterfly for photo book creation, and they often have good deals on that. You can sign up for Shutterfly, and sometimes they'll have 50% off photo books, which is a good time to upload a bunch of pictures and put together a photo book for yourself. I'm terrible at art, by the way, which is interesting. Not because... I don't necessarily have an eye for it. I've been told I actually 
probably do have a decent artistic eye. It's much more about the fact that when I'm trying to use my hands, I just do not have the ability to draw particularly well. I won a contest in, I believe it was middle school or high school, where I had a great idea for an art contest that was going on, but I knew I wouldn't be able to draw it. So I reached out to another kid in my class and asked him if he could draw. He said, yes. I said, do you have any ideas? And he said, no. I said, let's go in on this together. Draw my idea and we'll put both our names on it. And he did and we won. All of that is to say, making photo books on Shutterfly is easy because I don't have to use my hands quite as much. I can use the computer to arrange things as I like, to kind of eyeball where the photos are, what I think should go where. I want to eventually digitize these photos, though, from my past because all of my digital photos are from 2002 and before. And after, I should say, I think 2001, actually, my earliest digital photos are from. And I want to find photos from before that and be able to move them into into some of these photo books, be able to preserve them, look at times from when I was in high school and middle school, maybe even back from back in Ohio with my family and see if I can find some of that. Let me know if you've had any experience with digital photo books or digitizing your photos. I'd love to chat with any of you about that. Feel free to shoot me an email, jeremy at wealthenjoyment.com if you have anything you wanted to add to the discussion about that. I look forward to hearing what you're doing when it comes to preserving your memories. That's all for the podcast today. I want to thank my awesome producer, Megan Udell, who is also my awesome sister for taking such good care of this podcast and getting it up online for me, putting in those fun sound effects you guys hear. I also want to thank everyone at Udell Associates for supporting me as I have started to put together this podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. I invite all of you to subscribe, like, comment, I have a YouTube channel you can check out if you want to hear more of me. Some of these segments in my podcast go up as video on my YouTube channel, but also I do some YouTube videos that aren't part of this podcast talking about other things if you're interested in that. We also have our book, Retire Happily Ever After. Bruce Udell, my father, and I wrote that together. If you're interested in reading our book, feel free to give us a call, 941-951-0443. Shoot us an email, jeremy at wealthenjoyment.com. I look forward to talking to you again soon when I'll have more oodles for your noodle.